Well, good morning. Last week we um, we left off with the uh, the call of the disciples. Remember Andrew, Simon, James, and John were called by this uh, this young rabbi, Jesus of Nazareth, and uh, these these disciples were were really unlikely disciples. They were they were uneducated fishermen, but Jesus said to them, "Follow me." And I'll make you fishers of men. You'll, you'll wade into the chaos and the darkness and the sin of the world and, and pluck people out and, and bring them to me. Be my disciples. And um, in chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus had said uh, that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and, and believe in the gospel. And so... Over the next several verses, we're, we're going to see this, uh, this kingdom of God, the kingdom of God breaking into the world of, of sin and darkness and sickness. And throughout, throughout the rest of the chapter, we're going to see how this, this plays out. Jesus, the Son of God, begins to make himself known, not only by what he says, by, but by what he does as well. And uh, so this morning, I'd, I'd like to continue on with the, uh, with the idea of, of discipleship. You know, Jesus said, follow me and, and learn from me, learn from what I say, but learn from what I do. Become like me, do the things that, that I do. And uh, the, I, I mentioned last time, I think that the, the book of Mark really doesn't have as much teaching of Jesus as the other gospel narratives but it's a, it's a book of action. We see what Jesus does. And so Jesus came not only to teach, but to also provide an example. And so this morning, I'd, I'd like to look at his example in terms of how it, how it should uh, affect us as disciples. You know, discipleship means to, uh, to be like the master. Jesus Christ and our text today is Mark chapter 1, 21 through 45. So read with me in your Bibles as we see Jesus in action. Keeping in mind that these, these disciples are with him. They're, they're tagging along. They're, they're observing this. And that's going to be important. So starting with uh, chapter 1, verse 21. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught as one who had authority, not as the scribes. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed. So they questioned among themselves, saying, What, what is this? A, a new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all of the surrounding region of Galilee. 
And immediately it says, you'll, you'll notice as we go through the book of Mark, this word comes up many, many, many times. Immediately, Mark's keeping the action going. Immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he He said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for this is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling to him, said, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer, your, offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer enter into a town. But he was out in, a desolate place, out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let's, let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we uh, see your, your care and your concern for, for people, for the, the darkness and the sickness. And the captive captivity to, uh, to the forces of, of darkness and how you came, Lord, to to free, to bring liberty to the, to the captives and, and to bring healing to the sick. And um, Lord, we, we just praise you for your, your care for us, your, your concern, Lord Jesus, that you came to serve. Uh, what an amazing thing. Lord, we want to learn from you. We want to be like you. It's in your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. So as disciples, we we follow our Lord. We follow our, our master, our, our teacher. And let's look at two areas here. As disciples, we need to follow Jesus to be servants. You know, follow in order to serve. And second, we need to fish for the same types of people who Jesus fished for. So just just two points today. 
Well, first of all, we, we have Jesus' example as, as a servant. Uh, you know, looking ahead to, to chapter 10, Jesus says something very significant. He tells his disciples why he came. Why did he come? He says that he, he came to be a servant of all. Mark 10, 43 through 45 says, But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we serve. We serve because, because he served. We, we follow in, in the footsteps of the, uh, the chief server. You know, think about when before he was crucified, Jesus washed the, uh, the disciples' feet. And he made this point in John 13, 13 through 17. He's talking to the disciples. He says, you call me teacher and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Matthew twenty three eleven, Jesus says, The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be, adop- uh, will, will be exalted. You know, this is a, a principle we see in Jesus' life and his teaching over and over again. He says, if you're going to be my disciples, you do what I do. Do what I do. Lower yourself. Take on an attitude of, of humility, not of, not of self-aggrandizement. Be a servant. Be a servant like me. This is why I came and this is why you're following me. Put others before yourself. Now, there were, there were a lot of people who seemed to be following Jesus. A lot of people were, were following him around, but not truly following him as, as disciples. You know, we have, we have this, we have an illustration from today in, in social me, uh, media. You know, people on, on social media have followers. You know, does anybody in here follow somebody on Twitter or, or whatever? You know, what, is, what does that mean? I was, I was looking up uh, the, the numbers here. You know, there, there are people who brag about having uh, thousands of, of followers. Some have millions of followers. Um, you know, what does that mean? You know, does, that, does that mean we want to be like these people? Does anybody here want to be like Justin Bieber or uh, you know, Taylor Swift or, or Justin Timberlake? You know, it's, it's, it's not follower ship it's more fanship they're they're fans not following and jesus jesus had a lot of fans that's what that's what people were like in the in the crowds they 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 heard about the miracles that jesus was doing he's raising people from the dead he's restoring sight to the blind he's casting out demons we got to go check this out this is a this is a, a great show to come and come out and see. 
A lot of fans, but not followers. You know, the crowds followed with the wrong motives. You know, Mark says that, that Jesus' fame spread throughout Galilee. And at one point, the, it says the whole city was at, at the door where, where Jesus was staying. And, you know, Jesus didn't want that kind of fame. He didn't want, he didn't want to put on a show and have fans... And that's why he told people when he healed them many times, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Because we, we, we just read that when that guy did anyway, you know, it, it, Jesus couldn't even go into a town. There were so many people. He had to go out to desolate places and people would have to come to him. It says in verse 29, at once his fame spread everywhere throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. You know, the crowds were, were shadowing him because he was, he was putting on a show. He was famous. And um, I don't think things are any different now. Um, I was reading an article a couple years ago in Christianity Today about uh, the nephew of a very wealthy and famous and popular televangelist, uh, th- this this nephew, his name is Costi, and he, he went to. He used to work for his uncle. This is what he says: We lived the dream, expensive cars, hotels, travel. The biggest being that Jesus provided all of that. You, you didn't touch the Lord's anointed. We reverenced our leaders. We believed that we were part of an anointed heritage of leaders. They were all men of God. They could heal and operate in the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And when he was in college, though, Costi uh, got a chance to travel around the world with his uncle. And uh, during that time, Costi came to see that uh, the, the view of God he was seeing was that of a, of a genie. You know, just as long as he played his card right, uh, God would do anything for him. He says, I thought the ultimate door here was to work for my Uncle Benny, to put God first and God would open a door. That's how it works in the prosperity gospel movement. God is your magic genie. You rub him right, you do the right things, give right, serve right, make decisions right, believe right, think right, and you'll get what you want. And that's what a lot of these people were doing. They, they saw Jesus as the dispenser of things that they wanted. They were following him to get things. Now, that, that's in contrast to another person we see here right in the middle. Now, I, I mentioned that Mark a lot of times structures the, the, the narrative where he puts bookends around some central concept. And that's, that's what we see here. We have Jesus uh, casting out a, a demon here, uh, healing a leper here. Right in the middle, he puts this, this amazing healing of, of Simon, Peter's mother-in-law. You know, it's bracketed. It draws attention to a very important point here, and this is what, th- verse 31 is very significant. It says, he came, took her by the hand, and lifted her up, 
The fever left her, and she began to serve them. She began to serve them. You know, once she had a, a real encounter with the Lord of glory, what happened? She became a servant. What does it what does it mean to serve? What is it what does it mean to be a servant? It means to, to put others' needs before your own. Put others' needs above our own desires to supply those needs. This this can be hard, you know, because we we are so prone, we're so we we tend to concern ourselves most with our own needs, don't we? We demand our rights. We put our needs, our rights above other uh, above relationships. You know, the word for serve uh, is in in the Greek is diakoneo, and this word appears uh, three times in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, it, it comes from the same root word that we get uh, deacon, diakonos, from. This is the verb form. And it's used three times, once for Jesus himself. The other two times, it was women. Women. It seemed like the uh, the women disciples had a better grasp of, of being a servant than, than the men you know, the, remember the the men were more concerned about who was who was the greatest, who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and who's going to sit at the right hand and left hand of, of Jesus in in heaven. But a disciple is a servant. A true disciple is a servant, just like the master. And so, having called Andrew and Simon and and uh, James and John, his his first disciples, he said, "We're going to go out and fish for people." And so, you know, in this chapter, we, we begin to see the, kind of, the kinds of people who Jesus fishes for. Disciples fish for the same types of people as the master. So Jesus taught in the synagogue. It says he taught with authority. You know, there's something different, something very special about his, about his teaching that was very much unlike that of the, uh, the, the scribes, the religious leaders, his Authority is, is mentioned twice in this section. What, what is it? What is authority? We saw it earlier when, when Jesus was baptized by John. Remember, the Father commissioned him. He was commissioned under the authority of, of God the Father. He was, he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. You know, he wasn't like the religious leaders. He was not like the many false messiahs who had come along by the time he came along. His teaching, his actions, they, they touched people. And people knew there was something different here. You know, in Luke 4.18, Jesus quotes the, uh, the, pro- the prophet Isaiah in the synagogue when he read from Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives 
recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up that scroll and said in the synagogue, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And we get a we get a glimpse at the types of people Jesus was ministering to, the types of people Jesus was fishing for. And his disciples, these fishers of men, that's all of us. We are to fish for the same types of people. Let's look at the types of people that he fished for. First, we have the uh, the spiritually oppressed. You know, we, we see this with the uh, the man who had the unclean spirit. He, he was in the synagogue. The religious leaders were unable or or maybe unwilling to help him. Yeah, they're, they're probably doing their best to avoid this guy. Isn't that what happens? Surely, this guy was uh, acting abnormally. You know, I, I imagine this this kind of person would be shunned by by most of us. But you know, Jesus did not shy away, did he? He directly encountered him, and he he drove out this demon. Second, Jesus fished for people who were in need of healing. You know, we see Jesus healing uh, Simon's mother, mother-in-law. She had a fever. He took her by the hand, lifted her up, and this, this fever left her. You know, Jesus healed a lot of people who were unnamed. A lot of unnamed individuals. He had compassion for them. He had compassion for their suffering, for their distress, for their their sickness, for their pain. A third Jesus fished for people who were considered to be untouchable. You know, we come to this this man who was who was afflicted with leprosy in, in verse forty. This leper came to him imploring, kneeling, and he said, If you will. You can make me clean. You know, do you get this guy, do you get the idea this guy's faith was, was weak? You know, he's, he's lived in such a way where he, he had no hope. But he saw what Jesus was doing and he said, Lord, if, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus said, I will. I will. You be clean. Yeah, think think about how life must have been like for this guy. Uh, you know, he had lepers had to live outside of the city. They couldn't live with their families. Uh, in Leviticus, the uh, the law states how lepers were to be treated. If you had if you had leprosy and you're walking down the street, you had to yell out unclean, unclean, so that people could avoid you. You know, go way over this way so they don't come in contact with you. They were they were ostracized socially, they were ostracized religiously. They couldn't go to they couldn't go into the temple and worship. They couldn't be part of the assembly. They couldn't go to the synagogues, you know, because they, they would pass on their uncleanness to other people. 
They couldn't participate in public worship. You know, they, they lived in isolation. They were, they were lonely people, completely untouchable. You know, imagine what this would do to a person. Uh, Vicki Kaufman with uh, Caregiver Families, which is a, an organization that helps people with Alzheimer's disease, she cites research studies that documented the uh, physical and emotional benefits of, of touch when caring for, for people with, with dementia. And uh, she says the, the physical benefits are these lowering of blood pressure, a decrease in pain, an improvement in mood, a decrease in stress-related cortisol, a decrease in heart rate, an increase in sensory awareness. She says, as to the emotional benefits, touch can communicate multiple positive emotions such as love, safety, care, reassurance, trust, hugs, holding hands, a caress, or other physical gestures of affection can ease your loved one's mind, help them feel less isolated, decrease their anxiety. Compassionate touch is the language of the human heart, she says. So here's this leper. Who knows when the last time was somebody actually touched him? People were afraid. They were, they were repulsed. Now, speaking of touch, I remember many times when I've visited nursing homes, and many of the people in nursing homes are, are neglected. Their families put them there. Some families are really good at visiting. Some families just, you know, they might as well be putting their, their elderly parents out on an iceberg to float away. But I've noticed when I visit in nursing homes how important touch is, whether it's just a, a pat or, or my hand on, on their hand. I can tell how important that is. You know, people need to be touched by someone who, who loves them. And this man was starved of, of touch, starved of affection. He was untouchable, and he knew it. He was suffering. And... Uh, you know, this is, this is the amazing thing in this story. What did Jesus do? What does it say? He touched him. Jesus touched the untouchable. You know, did Jesus have to touch this man to, uh, to heal him? No, it seems like whenever Jesus healed somebody, he, he did it differently. Sometimes he healed people remotely, somebody in another town. He didn't have to be there. Sometimes they touched him. One really kind of weird to me scene is when Jesus makes mud out of his spittle and, and puts it in a man's eye. Every, it seems like every time he did it, it was different, but this time it was important that he touched this man who was, who was untouchable. I am willing, he says, be clean, be clean. So what does this mean for us? You know, it means we, we have to have a willingness to follow Jesus, to become like him, to imitate him, to the point of being willing to reach out to people who are unclean in, in whatever ways our society regards them as being unclean and, and undesirable, deplorable, 
We have many words for, for the kind of person we want to avoid. You know, Jesus' disciples, we're, we're, called on, we're called to love him. We're called to follow him by loving others. You know, by, by loving the unlovable, by loving the ones that nobody else loves, you know, to bring them to Jesus who loves them and gave his life for them. So let's conclude by saying that we are called to be disciples. You know, so, so far in the book, uh, Mark hasn't reported much that Jesus has taught. It mentions his teaching. It says he taught in the synagogues. He taught here and there, but he doesn't go into any of the, the details about what Jesus taught. He's emphasizing what Jesus did at this point. We need to learn from his actions. We need to learn from his example. You know, Jesus doesn't appear to be sitting down yet with the, with the disciples and you know gathering them around and talking with them yet at this point. That'll, that'll occur later, and it's important. But our faith and our following are meant to be active. The Christian life is not a, a passive life. It's an active life. We need to be serving others. We need to be giving attention to others in ways that will ultimately bring them to the one we're following. You know, people need to be touched by the by the great physician the the one who brings healing not just physical healing but mental healing emotional healing spiritual healing there's a lot of hurting people who who need the touch of the savior and as the church now the body of Christ we we are the, the hands of Jesus to, to touch others. You know, last time we, we talked about the cost of discipleship. You know, Jesus calls us to serve. He calls us to pay a price to, to do so. We're to be servants. We're to, we're to fish for the same kind of people who, who Jesus did, even those who are untouchable by everybody else's standards. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, teach us to follow you. Teach us to follow in your footsteps and to be like you. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be conformed to your image. Lord, we desire for your kingdom to come. You told us when we pray to pray that. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it, as it is in heaven. Lord, we, we want to learn from you, Lord. We want to be like you. Help us. Help us to truly be servants. Help us to truly be fishers of, of people, you know, wading, wading into the water of, of chaos and, and darkness and rescuing people by, by bringing them to you. Lord, help us to see others as you see them. It says elsewhere, that you looked out on, on the people with compassion and saw them as, as lost sheep without a shepherd. Lord, help us to look through your eyes. Let us 
live lives, Lord, that honor you and, and glorify you. Be glorified, Lord, through us. In Jesus' name, amen.